the error is probably the same every night for you. So you can track the trend over time rather than worrying about the exact amount. Does that make sense? So if you have a, a certain amount of deep sleep you're getting every night according to the aura, if that suddenly changes, that's mm. probably more accurate than the absolute number. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Neuro Experience Podcast. I'm Louisa. I'm the host. We are back today with Dr. Tommy Wood. He's also been on the podcast before, guys. If you haven't checked it out, go and look at the masterclass we did, Blood Work for Athletes. That was released on April 4th of this month. What are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about sleep. So just as a recap, Dr. Tommy Wood has a biochemistry degree from the University of Cambridge. He has a medical degree from the University of Oxford and a PhD in physiology and neuroscience from the University of Oslo. He's an absolutely phenomenal encyclopedia. Guys, you are going to love today's masterclass because we're going to be touching on several topics around sleep. We're going to talk about the quality and problems with sleep trackers. We're going to talk about what true sleep optimization is. We're then going to move on to talk about treatment options for conditions such as insomnia. We're also going to teach you how to track your HRV with a chest strap. Guys, this is a a masterclass with Dr. Tommy Wood. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Neuro Experience Podcast, where you will learn the science of human performance and optimization. You know what changed the game for me entirely as far as fitness, performance, and overall health? It was sleep. I can't say it enough. Getting good quality sleep took my health to the next level and made me feel superhuman. It completely changed my life. As you guys know, I always talk about sleep. But it's not as simple as just closing your eyes. No, the quality of your sleep is ultimately what matters the most. So when my friends and family ask me how I optimize my sleep, I tell them about WHOOP. Whoop is a personalized digital fitness tracker and health coaching platform that monitors your physiology 24-7. And Whoop's sleep coach helped me figure out my ideal bedtime and wake-up time based on my unique circadian rhythm. Now, Whoop's all-in-one 4.0 is engineered with haptic feedback that sends subtle vibrations to my device to wake up once I've hit optimal recovery. It's screenless, distraction-free, and 33% smaller too. So I totally forget I'm even wearing this strap. So Whoop monitors my heart rate variability, my resting heart rate, my respiratory rate, and crushes those numbers into a recovery score, which tells me how hard I can push my body the next day. Guys, you can join me right now with Whoop. They are offering my community 15% off their Whoop membership. Just go to join.whoop.com. Use code neuro at checkout. That's join.whoop.com and enter code neuro at checkout for 15% off any Whoop membership. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Lately, everybody's asking me, Louisa, what do you drink at night 
to promote a good night's sleep because although I have my regular sleep routine, I have now been ingesting Organifi Gold and it has worked wonders for my busy mind. So for those of you that don't know, Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that addresses problems such as sleep problems and stress. They use adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier to calm your mind down after a busy day. You can get the rest you need with the most soothing ingredients. So gold is delicious. It's a superfood tea that contains powerful superfoods and mushrooms to help you relax so you can wake up feeling refreshed and energized. It supports rest and relaxation, a healthy immune response, and a healthy response to stress. So if you're looking for a wonderful nighttime tea, try the Organifi Gold. It's delicious. And Organifi is giving my awesome community a 20% discount on everything. Just go to www.organifi.com slash neuro or use neuro at checkout. That is www organifi.com slash neuro for 20% off your order. So Dr. Tommy, you and I were, uh, you and I were talking and, uh, we're speaking about athletic performance. And one of the things that we do at neuroathletics and one of the things that we are really, you know, harping on about here is sleep and sleep is just, it's, it's beautiful, but it's also, it's individualized beautiful, but it's, uh, I think it's really poorly misunderstood for many different, uh, in many different ways. But now with the rise in, uh, technology, we've got the aura ring, we've got the whoop strap, um, we've got so many different ways to track and measure our sleep. That's all good. So now we're becoming more educated on the importance of sleep. But something that I'm finding is that we're waking up every morning, we're looking at our sleep scores, we're seeing deep sleep, REM sleep, but I think not a lot of people really understand what these sleep stages are and how to optimize them and what they are used for when it comes to performance. You know, sleep is becoming sexy again uh, <laughs> or for the first time. And it was just never sexy before, you know, sleep when you're dead, you know, burn the candle yeah. at both ends, all that kind of stuff. And I, I think in general, athletes, you know, if you're a professional athlete, you just have to take sleep seriously. And, you know, there there are often stories. So I I remember, um, in particular, Paula Radcliffe, anybody remember Paula Radcliffe, former world record holder in the marathon. And she would talk about how she'd sleep like 12 hours a night or something, which is like, seemed completely mind blowing. Um, Mm. you know, but, but obviously, you know, Roger Federer does that too. Yeah. And and critical to to performance. And we know it's also critical to, you know, maintaining normal appetite regulation. If we're thinking about body composition and population health, also very important for preventing cognitive decline. Um, however, what, what I will say is that there are two, two main problems with the rise of sleep trackers. There may be more than that, but, but I think it's important that people are interested in their sleep. However, I worry about the quality of the sleep data. Um, and, in general, it's not great. Uh, you compare sleep track, you know, most sleep trackers to polysomnography. They're not very good at telling the different stages of sleep. Um, equally, um, I'm not entirely convinced that you need to know 
that information. And maybe this is not where you were expecting this conversation to go, but this is, this is something that I think is really important to acknowledge. So mm-hmm. the most important thing in terms of sleep is a getting enough. And in order to get enough total sleep, you need to give yourself enough sleep opportunity, um, which basically means you need to be in bed enough and, and, and give yourself the environment in, in which to sleep. And so I'll, I'll give you an example of why I think this is important. I had an elite athlete come to me with their aura ring data and say, I'm really concerned that I'm not getting very much deep sleep. First of all, the aura, not great at predicting deep sleep. It's better at predicting other stages of sleep and deep sleep has become this thing that ever becomes hyper-focused on. And they're like, I want to increase my deep sleep. And I look at the, the ring data. They're spending five hours in bed every night. So they're not giving themselves That's enough sleep opportunity. Time. No, you need no, to increase scary. that to eight or nine hours at least. So yep. I'm not worried about the deep sleep number. I'm worried you're not spending enough time in bed. So mm-hmm. like there are these fundamental things that are just critically more important than worrying about the different sleep stages related to that. And it's related to the quality of the data. And so I will say um, the aura at least it may not be good at accurately predicting individual stages of sleep, but the error is probably the same within an individual. So even if it under counts your deep sleep minutes, the error is probably the same every night for you. So you can track the trend over time rather than worrying about the exact amount. Does that make sense? So if you have a, a certain amount of deep sleep you're getting every night, according to the aura, if that suddenly changes, that's mm. probably more accurate than the absolute number. Um, yes. and so they have some, some reasonable data on that. So, as with many things, tracking your own trends over time is more important than the absolute number that you can measure. That seems to be more, more, more informative. Mm. Um, however, we know, uh, from, from some very interesting studies that if you get information about your sleep being poor, which is a problem, if, if the, the qual- data quality isn't good, that can actively affect your, your cognitive performance. And that's going to be important if you're an athlete. So there was a study where they took individuals and they had them sleep either five hours or eight hours and they manipulated the clock time so that they then told them you slept either eight hours or five hours, but they randomized them in both directions. So you have people who slept five hours told they were slept five or eight people who slept eight, who were told they were slept, they slept five or eight. And what happened was people who slept five hours, but were told they slept eight hours had no deficit in their cognitive performance. Whereas people who slept five hours and were told they slept five hours, they did have a decrease. What's particularly interesting is that if you slept for eight hours and you were told you were slept for five hours, there was a decrease in your cognitive performance because you thought I didn't sleep well, that's going to affect me cognitively and that's going to affect my performance. So wow. the, the problem with this the tracking, placebo effect is really there. Yeah. Okay. yeah the, well, in this case, it's the nocebo effect. I'm worried nocebo. about the negative effect of, of poor data can have, have this effect on your, on your, on your then performance during the day. So if you had a bad night of sleep, and you're like, you know, maybe I didn't sleep great. I'm not sure. And your, your sleep tracker says, Hey, you had a really crappy night of sleep. Like tough luck. That's That can affect you during the day. And like, if your cognitive or your physical performance is how you pay the bills, I really worry about that issue there. So sleep is important. The different stages mm. of sleep are important for different things, but we really need to you know think about what are the most important things that we can change and track. Mm. Like, my favorite thing is sleep opportunity. I think that's the most important thing. And then maybe track uh, sleep, you know, an approximate sleep latency. How long is it taking you to fall asleep? Um, yeah. That kind of stuff. I think that's hard data. We have the best sort of population and individual level data on that. 
with outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's where I'd, where I'd focus in because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried on the hyper focus on optimizing something, um, because it can cause negative physical and cognitive effects. So I have this, uh, popular saying that I say all the time and it's, so I was a triathlete. Um, I raced for Australia and that's how I really got into this performance lifestyle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, you know, this was dating many years ago now. I won't go into the exact, uh, dates cause I'll probably start crying, but, um, you know, I, I was around 17 and we would, you know, I'd turn up to training and we would see these new people. And this is, I'm talking like I was training with, you know, we were elite, we we're in the squad in Australia. So we were training like 40 to 50 hours a week. And then we'd see this new person come along with the shiny new bike and with these zip wheels. And they haven't even ridden a hundred kilometers in their life, but they're like, mm. you know, I heard if I, I ride on this bike, it's going to streamline me and it's going to just, it's going to increase my, my ride time by like, or decrease my ride time by like two minutes. And I used, we used to laugh at these people that would come who've never raced and that would come with the zip wheels and the amazing, you know, $50,000 bike. And we used to laugh at these mm-hmm. people. And it's pretty much the same as what I say now, until you have mother nature's gifts optimized, which is regular sleep times, regular wake up times, getting sunlight in the morning, hydrating correctly, really no need for going through and going through the hardcore optimization techniques with different tools that can cost you a lot of money. And I think you're saying the same thing as well. It's like, unless you've exhausted all options, unless you're really like maybe if you've got sleep apnea and you're on a, on a CPAP and it's, things are still not working well and you've done a sleep study, let's talk then about optimization. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the common things, I think are important and, and they're going to work the vast majority of the time and that it's relevant both to general health as well as to athletic performance. So if you talk about, um, all the things that are important for good sleep in terms of sleep environment, you know, sort of some kind of wind down routine, um, making sure you're not exposed to bright light, having a cool room, you know, all these kinds of things are, are really important. It's going to be important for everybody. And, the vast majority of people just need to do those things and give themselves enough sleep opportunity. And that's it. And yes, Mm -hmm. there is, there is a point of time where you may need to do more. Often, if you have some kind of insomnia, you need to see a specialist about that. There are CBT approaches. There might be somebody with a psychological background or some other thing that you need to need to dig into CPAP. Um, you know, very important obstructive sleep apnea is very common. That's Mm -hmm. if you, um, the, the most common reason I see a high hemoglobin on a blood test is somebody who has obstructive sleep apnea because they become hypoxic at night that drives increased production of red blood cells. Um, mm. so if you, if you see a, a high hemoglobin and it seems a bit weird or it's higher than you expect it to be obstructive sleep apnea is, is the number one cause for that. So getting all those things and it's the same with everything else, you know, movement quality, uh, food quality, uh, relationship quality, those things matter for both acute and long-term athletic performance as well as general human health. And I think the, the reason why I worry about focusing on optimization is one, um, most people don't need to do it. And, mm-hmm. and also because mm-hmm. it, it maybe detracts from those other things that, that, that could be important. So is your hyper-focus on sleep and sleep stages and sleep optimization affecting 
your relationships. I've worked with a number of people who've gotten so hyper-focused on their diet that they can't see their friends anymore because, <laughs> um, you know, because they can't eat, eat out or eat elsewhere, right? Or their friends don't want to eat what they cook if they come around to visit. Um, and, you know, for some people, you know, uh, restricted diets or changes to parts of the diet is important. I, don't, don't get me wrong, but, you know, we've become so hyper-focused on something that it it did take it takes joy away from it and we have uh information on that related to food related to sleep you know the more you try and optimize something you quantify something you objectify it it's no longer something that can bring you joy and joy is important for both mm. you know, health and performance so so, that, so that's why i think you know i love technology i love data but in general you know i, I think a more sort of back to basics approach is what's what most people are going to need so you work with Formula One players. I don't know if you've ever um, worked with NBA players, but something I'm finding is sleep routines uh, when they're you know in the playoffs. Like I've got some of the players that are getting on and off flights and we know how bad that is for circadian disruption and jet lag. And I got to tell you, their data, because I, I read it on the back end, is atrocious. You know, I've got some guys getting on a flight at, at like 5 or 6 p.m. after a game or even later, you know, God forbid, 10 p.m. They're doing a they're doing the red eye and then they're getting up. They land at their destination at, let's say, 4 a.m. Maybe they get three or four hours of sleep. Then they've got to be back on the court. Then they've got meetings and then they've got so many other press interviews. And then they have to play. And that bugs me because I think, well, that's when sleep really does you know, play a toll. Sleep deprivation, I should say. Yeah, yeah definitely. And um, with, with Formula One, it's very similar, except for it's more time zones. So the shifts can be even bigger, right? You might be in, in Asia racing one week, and then within a week or two, you have to be racing and performing in Europe or in, 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 Amer in the Americas. So uh, really big shifts in circadian rhythm. And then, you know, in their off weeks, these guys have lives. So, so you may be racing in Europe, but you've popped over to, you know, LA or New York for a period yeah. of time to you know, see some friends, have some fun. And so they're continuously shifting time zones and there are, there are ways to, you know, you can more rapidly, you know, create shifts in circadian rhythm by timing light and, um, exercise and maybe taking melatonin and, and, and when you eat, so you can use, you can manipulate those things to try and create faster shifts. Um, and that's obviously what, what everybody does. There are sort of jet lag pl mitigation plans that, that, that go, um, into trying to reduce that. However, in that, so in that scenario, we know that sleep is going to be a problem. We know that circadian rhythm is going to be a problem because you're going to sort of change the point in day when you're going to perform best and you don't always have control over that. And so in that kind of scenario, that's somewhere where maybe I don't want the athlete to see their data because mm. again, right. If they become hyper-focused on the fact that they didn't sleep well, that their circadian rhythm is out of whack, that can sort of compound the problem by creating this sort of negative uh, mental talk, which, which mm. can have a big impact. So there are a lot of things where I think it's useful to collect the data. Like it would be great. It's great for you to have the, you know, there's like an aura team data, maybe you have an aura team for all, the, all, all of your um, uh, NBA players that you track over time, but, but I would want them to collect that data, but I would like them to not look at it. Um, yeah. so that you can, you can get a better handle on it. You can put things in place, but I don't want them to see it. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about sort of this data for me is, so I measure my HRV every morning cause my coach wants me to do it. I would like to not see that. I would yeah. just like him 
to track trends over time, maybe implement stuff. He sort of uses it to decide when I need to deload my training or when I can tolerate an overload period. But when I wake up and I see that I have a bad HRV, you know, it's sort of like it's tanked in the last couple of days. It doesn't do me any favors uh, for pretty much any reason. And and I think that's relevant to, to a lot of athletes. Are you tracking that manually or are you doing that with a whoop strap? Oh no, I do it with a chest strap. Um, a chest strap every, yeah. every morning. I'm I'm not super jazzed about um, plethysmographic measurements from the back of the wrist. Do, mm. The Whoop and the Apple Watch they get uh, they they use SDNN, which isn't quite as sensitive as RMSSD, which you can get from a from a, a chest strap. Mm. Um, so so I prefer just the the old school version. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, just on that, as we wrap this segment up, I think, uh, doing a really high quality as a coach, doing a really high quality clinical sleep questionnaire can really pay dividends in understanding somebody's sleep patterns, how they sleep. You know, generally you see two complaints when it comes to sleep, it's I'm having trouble falling asleep or I'm having trouble staying asleep. And then, you know, those two things, you know, you can go down two different avenues for that. And I think that's just really important too. And it goes back to what you said earlier, which is all about the patient getting a history. It's the same thing. Get a sleep history, understand Mm. where they're sleeping, how they're sleeping. Um, So I think that's really important. And one thing that we've been touching on, I don't know what your, I think, I I feel like I know what your answer is going to be for this, but how do you feel about temperature control and thermal regulation for sleep? Oh, uh, I mean, critical, really. Yeah. Causes a lot lot of, um, you know, not quite arguments, but heated discussions in the bedroom, both maybe myself and, and for others, because I, I need the room to be cold to sleep. Mm. Um, and you know, often sleep partners have a different temperature that they, that they sleep at, or you prefer to sleep at. And, you know, even though, you know, one may be cool for the other, it's not quite cool enough. Um, and so there are ways around that, you know, I, I think changing the air temperature in the room as much as possible, opening window, air conditioning, that's really important um, if you have those things. But then um, now mattresses, you know, there's some reasonable technology for creating even zone-based cooling uh, using something like the chili pads, some mattresses now, um, there's the eight sleep, um, I sleep some on other mattresses have it, ha- have it built in. Um, yeah. I'd be interested to hear about the eight sleep because I need a new mattress and that's the one I've been thinking about. I honestly, okay. honest, I, I always say that it's been the biggest investment in my sleep journey and I'll tell you why. I am, you know, as I'm falling asleep, I like to be warm, but as I drift into sleep, I get hot and I, I Mm. just want to be able to maintain that temperature, but I don't like sleeping with the air conditioning. I, especially like when I'm in Australia, I go to Australia for summer and it's very, very hot. Like we get like 40 degree heat and it's so hot. And if you keep, if you're blasting the air conditioning, it's like, A, it's not good for your bank account or the environment and B, you just, it just doesn't feel good. So it's like, what's the happy medium. And then when I started sleeping on the eight sleep, um, temperature controlled mattress, you can actually, there's a, there's a way of like, you can click in the app settings and you can say, well, for deep sleep, I want to go down to, there's like a a point system. You go, I want to do minus two when I'm in REM sleep, I want to go to one. And then as I'm waking up, you can heat the bed back up again. It sounds really bougie, but it's, uh, it works for me. It's like, you can really control your sleep with that. Yeah. And, 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 uh, there's a, there's a lot of, so 
you know, core body temperature should fall as you fall asleep. That's, that's part of, you know, normal physiology. Um, and so if you don't have that, you're not going to get the same uh, initiation of sleep. And there's a load of stuff you can do to play with that, right? Exercise earlier in the day, increasing the core temperature of the body and the brain. That's probably going to increase sleep signaling later in the day, a hot shower right before bed or, you know, a hot bath right before bed that can accelerate heat loss right before sleep that can help you sleep. Um, a friend of mine who's, who's much more of a sleep expert than I am, Dr. Greg Potter. Uh, he also has a lot of uh, experience with athletes. Um, he always talks about a nice study where they have people wear socks in bed, which apparently yes. then helps you offload heat and you sleep yeah. better so so temperature critically important to, to a good night of sleep ladies and gentlemen i hope you enjoyed today's episode with dr tommy wood he will be back for a part three in a few weeks hey do me a favor if you enjoyed today's podcast please go through to apple itunes and leave us a review